And just like that, wham! It's winter. It was a hectic morning. The snow coming down, causing all kinds of problems, both in and out of the city. And on the subject of snow and snow clearing and keeping 511 up to date, we checked in with the new infrastructure minister, Lisa Naylor. Drugged while drinking. Concerning numbers and a concerning trend regarding numbers on the rise for drinks being tampered with. Dolphins Country Fest has unveiled its 2024 lineup. It's Friday, which means our weekly Gab with Gabby. And we asked you today about your Halloween viewing traditions. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, October 27th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. We are already getting the reports from the roads. Listener says, I'm driving south from Petersfield to Selkirk. The snow is packed on the highways. Hard to get over 70K without losing control. And I consider myself a good driver. So be careful out there, people, says one listener. And Johnny says, Highway 75 looked quite snow-packed as I crossed it. We got walloped again. Johnny's uh, in the St. Agath region. 4 by 4 was used this a.m. to get to work. So, yeah, it's, you know, I, I I don't know if it's fair to say that I consider myself a reasonable person, but I feel like I'm fairly reasonable <laughs> when it comes to like <clears throat> driving and being prepared for winter and growing up on a farm and knowing how to manage, you know, all those things yes. and not being stressed. You're about, good at managing your expectations. I, like, I'm, not, I agree. I'm not worried about you work with us too, every day too often about oh, I won't be able to make it in. Right. So it never crossed my mind as I was leaving this house this morning after I cleared off what felt like way more snow than I anticipated. Like I used my, shoot, the thing for the broom, the dustpan. Like I had to scoop it off the car with that because it wasn't coming off. I just lost the word. But Normally I could help you, but like, that was, was not the tool I was, I was expecting that you used. I was shoveling off the top of my car because I had the brush and I was like, this isn't working. And I've had that in the car for a while just to scoop things out, but okay. that's what I was using. I like thought, oh. a mini shovel. Yeah. But again, I, I hit the road and I'm not thinking anything of it. And then I turned on to 59 and then I was just both not stressed, but just a, concerned and mad <laughs> because I couldn't, there was no tracks. There was one set of tracks that everyone was using. So when oncoming traffic was coming towards you, we were both just kind of trying to barrel down the middle of the road because you couldn't tell where the side of the road was. So I'd end up squeezing over and pulling to the side and then coming out again. And then at one point I was going 40 on October 27th with no no plow in sight. And by then I'm really late because it's way longer than I thought and it's 5 a.m. And so when I say I think I'm a reasonable person, I don't expect to have... Perfect roads after a dump like that. I don't, but I do expect that a plow had hit there. And and I, this whole idea that we can't quite get to twenty four hour care because of staffing or other is is bugging me today. Three thirty is one thing, right? Four o'clock is maybe even another. But at five o'clock, you know, you already have people who live in rural Manitoba that maybe come to the city for work or other hitting the highway. I mean, th- there's a dramatic difference in that hour on the highway and inside the city in terms of the amount of traffic. And so uh, I hope we don't have to complain and make noise about this all winter again, about this idea of getting the highways ready for the early morning rush hour. I understand that by midnight, maybe there wasn't that much snow and that it accelerated sure. over the f- previous four or five hours. But I don't know. I, I think that's the job of, of Manitoba infrastructure to keep an eye on that and sort of to be ready to go. Moments notice is maybe expecting too much, but there, there's a line there. And then I think we got to figure it out because for the last few years, we've been so far on the other side of the line, kind of like, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. If there's one thing that we should be good at, like, so we're talking healthcare a lot, right? Every province is struggling with that crime is up in a lot of cities in this country. Transit woes are there. But if we, if we should be good at anything, shouldn't Manitoba be, be really good at clearing snow? Ah, it's just, am I that pie in the sky? No, no, not at all. It's, uh, it, it's a mess. And the, most of the side streets this morning that at least I was on were awful. But the main drags appear to have been sanded. 
At the very or least. assaulted mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, so like Portage Avenue look just looked like a slushy mess, but some of the other streets and like my cabbie ha- already has winter tires on the car, and there were some moments where you wouldn't even as a passenger. It was like, oh my gosh, glad I'm not behind the wheel <laughs> this morning. I, I, yeah, that's where it's nice to get that ride in. So we we know we have a lot of highway guys and gals in our audience, people who work for Manitoba Highways. I got a text from someone this week saying, Loran, guess what? If you thought last year was bad, it's going to be just as bad this year because we just don't have the staff. So we have the infrastructure minister joining us after eight because I did get some numbers back. And the vacancy rate in the highways department right now for the maintenance crews is 26%. Now, a quarter of your staff that clears your roads, there's no one there. So I can't knock the people because there's not enough of them. I don't think we've ever knocked the people. It's not the people that do the job. People mm. that are doing the job. Are doing the job. Doing the job. We just don't have enough of them, and do we have enough equipment? One listener pointing to highways 15 and 44 this morning, saying plenty of plows mm. on the highways in eastern Manitoba. I saw them all over the place, so that's good to hear. I should move to Bozeger then. Is that the area? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. They should put that in your like housing real estate. The, you know, when you well, start looking the- for bedroom communities, and by the way... Your expectations to have this highway cleared are, you know, give it a rating. They have a walk. <laughs> That's a good idea. They will have a walkability score. Need a plowability score. Plowability score. <laughs> plowability. And again, I, I drove in. I will. I, le- I exited fifty nine south of Winnipeg at four forty five, which is a half hour later than normal. Maybe the plows came out after that. Surprise me. Maybe it happened. Well, feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868 what you are seeing out there. And, of course, let us know when it is safe for you to do so. And we're going to get detail, more weather details from Environment Canada in a moment. And then after 6.30, the sounds of the game. Pretty decent result. Not bad at all. Winnipeg Jets win their third straight game. They're on their way to Montreal for a game tomorrow night. Probably. I don't want to speak for the Jets. But as a fan... Feeling pretty good. It's been a good week to be a Jets fan. The Jets get above 500 for the first time. Why has it been a good week? Are you taking credit for this? I'm not taking credit. I just, uh, I haven't seen one minute of a single game. I didn't see Saturday's game. Didn't see Tuesday's game. Didn't see last night's game. So you can't watch now for the rest of the year. I can't watch tomorrow night. (laughs) I just listen to Paul, which is fine by me. I just have to sequester myself in a closet somewhere. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and continue to let us know what you're seeing as far as the snow goes. One of our listeners, uh, Jesse, says, eight inches of snow on the deck of my trailer this morning. That's on Wilkes by the Golf Dome. Uh, So, yeah, that's a lot of snow. Coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, Loren, um, you know, this is something I remember when I was a kid watching on, this drug was featured as like a, cautionary tale and stuff like sitcoms and whatnot. And I, it feels like I can't believe we're still talking about this. It's yeah. frustrating. And I think you're re- are you refer- referencing maybe Rufy or is that the drug yeah. you're thinking of? Okay. So yeah, Rohypnol is something that's been around forever. It's banned in Canada, but we all know illicit drugs make their way in. And whether it's that drug or others, you know, it could be all sorts of things that are being slipped into drinks. Drink tampering is something we've been talking about for decades. And we have some new numbers that we're going to share after seven that show it's potentially on the rise. It's trending upwards uh, this year versus five years ago. And so we're going to talk to clinic, someone who works at the sex assault crisis response team about what they're seeing and hearing from people out there, because you're right. You, you were a kid when you first might have seen it in movies. I know in my bar days, Greg, probably in, in your nightclub days, it was something you talked about in the sense of watch your drink because someone could put something in it. And so here we are still all these years later, that still being something that people deal with uh, and worry about. So we'll get into that after seven. In the meantime, we will lighten things up right now to talk about some hockey because the Winnipeg Jets were in the Motor City last night to face the high-powered offense of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, so of course, coming off Tuesday's 4-2 win against St. Louis, 
They wanted to push their record above 500 for the first time this season. So let's get more from Paul Edmonds and Mitchell Clinton in your sounds of the game. And the puck is dropped, and it's showtime from Detroit, Michigan. His pass in the win the middle, finds Wallman, shoots, stop, rebound. Diving out is Hellebuck, and the rebound is flushed away nicely by Sandberg. Grabbed again in the corner, set back toward the line. Winnipeg out in front for Ehlers, turning, shooting, score! Nikolai Ehlers with his first of the year. Great job by that second line and the deep pair to hold the line. And Nikolai Ehlers found some quiet ice and rips it past Reimer, and it's 1-0 Winnipeg. Winnipeg will steal a puck. Morrissey back on it. Front and a quick shot. They score! Kyle Connor off that steal by Morrissey. Morrissey out in front. Connor wasted no time. And it's two quickies for Winnipeg, and they lead it 2-0. Back in and around the boards by Kopp. Back in behind the net. Rasmussen came out in front, and a wraparound attempt with a backhand. Stopped by Hellebuck with the left hat. Down on the far side for... Lowry across the line for Niederreiter, back out in front for Lowry, near side, they score! Mason Appleton went to the net, and Lowry found him back door. It's just a little redirect, third goal of the year for Appleton. And Winnipeg regains their two-goal lead, it's 3-1 to one for the Jets. Appleton onto the far side for Niederreiter, to the empty net, he scores! Nito, Nito Ryder will get an empty netter, his first goal of the year. And Winnipeg has their largest lead of the night. It's three at four to one, and that should do it tonight in Detroit Rock City. Michiganders, Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck were a big part of the result in their home state last night. Connor, the 2022 Lady Bing Trophy winner, netted his fifth goal of the season as the PA announcer at Little Caesars Arena had just finished announcing Nikolai Ehlers first goal of the year and that goal, Connor's goal would prove to be the game winner. The Jets are getting scoring from up and down their lineup and their Vesna caliber goaltender Hellebuck has found his groove. The 2020 Vesna Trophy winner made 19 saves in the third period alone to lock things down for the Jets who'd managed to limit Detroit's high-scoring, high-flying offense to 17 shots through the first two periods combined. The Jets move on to Montreal to face the Canadiens tomorrow night. And Tom, yes, I've already seen your Go Habs Go text message on the text line. <laughs> Jets and Canadiens tomorrow from the Bell Centre. Playnow.com Jets hockey goes at 6 with the Mid-Canada Fasteners pregame show getting underway at 4. And of course tonight for football fans, and we know there's so many of you, the Blue Bombers are in Calgary to face the Stampeders. They've, of course, clinched first in the West, and we know we will host the West final. That's November 11th, IG Field, 5.30 kickoff. So tonight's game, it's not meaningless. There's no yes. reason. To, I mean, it's meaningless for their standings, <laughs> but there'll be something to watch for because uh, there's hardly yeah. anyone in the lineup in yeah. terms of a starter, but yeah. except for... Brady Oliveira. Right, he's going for uh, a Two, record. Yeah, 2,000 combined yards. He just needs 20 yards to do that. Two yards rushing to break 1,500, and then he uh, needs 20 yards overall, one way or another. So is the goal to just to 2000. get him that and then I get him off so. the field? Mike O'Shea suggested <laughs> that those numbers don't really mean anything okay. on the coaches' show, uh, but based on the reaction Mike O'Shea had to Nick Dembski breaking the 1,000-yard rushing mark last weekend, mm, there are hearty handshakes between O'Shea and Dembski sure. and Oliveira because Dembski and Oliveira became the first ever two Canadians to have a thousand yards each. So the Bombers in the history of the CFL, you'd never had a Canadian receiver go over a thousand yards in a season, a Canadian running back over a thousand yards rushing on the season on the same team. Never had happened before. So that's a reason to to tune in tonight. And Absolutely. Beyond that, tune in. November 11th for the 5.30 kickoff. And there won't be as much conflict. We were concerned about the Jets-Dallas Star game, Greg, but they've moved that back. It was supposed to start at what time? At 3 o'clock. Yesterday, the NHL and the Jets announced they were moving it back to 2 o'clock. Uh, based on Remembrance Day rules and, and that sort of thing in terms of how early you can gather and, and open the doors, I think they moved it back probably as far as they could. Oh. So, you know, like uh, malls and whatnot won't be open till 1 o'clock. Right. So 2 o'clock was probably as far as they could push it back. So good on the Jets. That gives you some time. If you want to go to both games, it'll give you some time to go to the hockey game and then get yourself down to uh, IG Field. And from Ron... 
Uh, listener says, I'm up and down Main Street between Inkster and Mayfair all night long. I've seen no sanding crews or any other related equipment, but I have noticed uh, that no one knows how to fully clear a car of snow or even clear any snow off, rolling snowbanks everywhere. <laughs> I like that terminology, rolling snowbanks. I don't know why you want to drive like that. Because because it f- flies off the roof of your car. I mean, it's, it's could be a detriment to you. Yeah, if it, if it, if it coats your rear windshield sure because uh, I, I look I get it I did sometimes people run out to the car yes. they're like oh yeah snow I don't have time for this I'm just gotta get my car and go and just use the wind to clear it off but yeah it's always it never works out it's the little favor. windows Brett that I see sometimes you know like it's it's one thing to say I don't have time to clear the whole car it's another to be like I'm just going to clear the space to which my eyes peek through yeah and leave it at that that feels very deliberate like Almost psychotic to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm only doing this. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have tickets to give away for Beyond Monet or Chelsea Handler, and we want to invite you to join this discussion. We are curious to know if you have any traditional viewing habits for this time of year or maybe there's something halloweeny that you would like to revisit that you haven't seen in a while because what i ended up doing this week on it was monday one of my buddies sent me a simpsons meme so i'll just fire this up he sends me this meme from a halloween episode of the simpsons and i thought like all of, of the simpsons is on disney plus so I sat down and I rewatched some of it, including this. Take thy beak from off my heart and take thy farm from off my door, quoth the raven. Nevermore. <laughs> take thy beak from out my heart and take thy farm from off my door, quoth the raven. Nevermore. Why, you little... Oh! Oh, oh, oh. Back here, you little raven! <laughs> So that's from the very first Simpsons Halloween special, The Treehouse of Horror, which aired October 25th, 1990. You can believe that. And one of the skits they did was The Raven. So I ended up burning off my whole day watching Simpsons Halloween. I watched eight episodes Monday. I think I'm up to like 16 now. So, so is there one of, for every single season of The Simpsons? Yeah, for starting in season two, because okay. the first one they did was in the in season two. Mm. And uh, the next one uh, arrives on November 5th. And they even make fun of that because the fact that they had to air a lot of them in November because Fox ended up getting the World Series rights. So they, they often can't do their Halloween episode before Halloween. So 204-780-6868, what is your Halloween traditional viewing or is there something you'd like to revisit? Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you? Uh, I, I, this is my favorite horror movie, so hit, hit the clip there. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? <laughs> That's uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, Jack Nicholson there. Here's Johnny. That's my one of my favorite scenes. I got several favorite scenes from that, but that's that scene with him and the bartender, the ghost bartender, has got to be my favorite. There's some uh, – that is an underrated movie in terms of dialogue, and there's some great quotable lines that me and my friends quote to each other uh, constantly. So beyond- and do other people get it? In the room, or is just the- oh, like maybe I don't know, like but amongst my friends, like I know I, me and Clayman quoted to each other all the time. You but we and got, Clayman though have a, your own language. Yeah, we, we speak, we speak, we speak together. <laughs> Global News is Clay Young, but we have our own language to the but to the two of us. But that love, 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 love The Shining. I'm, I'm scrambling here because that's what I picked. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you can have the same two one. Peas in a pod. Oh no, the the that's well, it's not really seen. It's just a bunch of sounds from the movie. So do you guys have to watch this every year? 
I watch it once a year, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've actually watched it this year already when I was at the lake, uh, but I'm definitely going to be watching again probably this weekend. Wow. I got at the lake by <laughs> yourself? Yeah, that Jeff? seems crazy. No, not by myself. Okay, good. <laughs> a, I don't have it on Blu-ray, but that's a movie I should have on Blu-ray just because I, I love it so much. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what about you? Well, I'm going the opposite route because I don't really do scary movies at all. So uh, this is mine from 1998. <laughs> So that's the Halloween Town theme song. (laughs) There's like four movies, and uh, it's just about a family of witches. It's very cutesy, and uh, it's my kind of Halloween celebration. (laughs) Not scary at all. (laughs) That's fine. Jeff Uh, Braun's the same. Yeah. He uh, just can't do it. He 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 actually ended up watching some Simpsons this week too, just by fluke. He's like, I want to watch something Halloween, but I don't do scary movies, so let's go to the Simpsons. Yes. Uh, Greg, what about you? Well, what year did you say yours was? 98. How about 1966? I got an invitation to a Halloween party. It's a great pumpkin. I don't know if they've sort of re-engineered this or redone the color or what. Mm -hmm. Maybe boosted the audio. But the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, still looks great on TV. The bigger the TV, the better. Uh, Charlie Brown, you know, kind of a goof, kind of a, kind of a wimp, but I love Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Anytime Snoopy gets on the air, you know, he doesn't get enough airtime for a guy that doesn't talk. He's a great character. Great actor. That Snoopy. What'd you get? I got some bubble gum. What'd you get? I got some candy corn. What'd you get? I got a rock. (laughs) (laughs) And Loren, what about you? Okay, so this is not as much. It's going, I'm going to have to turn this into a must watch. We like scary movies in our house, almost all of us. My youngest is really into the scare. And that kind of started during COVID where we, you couldn't, they couldn't trick or treat for a couple of years. And so we did things to create like a haunted house for them. My husband hid in different spots. We do a lot of jump scare stuff, like just to get them going. Anyway, my son is, youngest has learned how to play the theme song to Halloween. Oh. And this year he's also going as Mike Myers. And yes. I'm quite certain nobody in her house has ever seen the movie. Really? What? Yeah. what? I, okay. I don't even know why this is a thing other than you just know like the folklore behind things. So in addition to creating the must-do scares, I think we'll have to watch this this weekend. Oh it seems boy. nuts that this is... You're going to watch that with your kids? I don't know. <laughs> Do you know it. what we watched the other day with them that I was thinking was a terrible parenting choice was the Freddy Cougar. So that's Nightmare. Nightmare oh, oh, bad. It was so cheesy. Like the whole time. Oh, My youngest, he's just looking the at him. Eyes, he's like, the devil's eyes. This scared you? I was like, this scared me so bad that you didn't want to sleep because Freddy Cougar gets you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then you, the watch, you watch the 1980s in the 2000. 21? No. What year is it? 2023. 2023, Loren. All right. So your traditional Halloween viewing or maybe something you'd like to revisit that you haven't seen in a long time. Tell us a story for your chance to win some tickets for Beyond Monet or Chelsea Handler. We'll pick a winner at 9.15 and the winner shall select the prize. Ahead of what is often a busy party weekend for the many who love to dress up for Halloween, We have a bit of a warning for you, and it's not about, you know, how much you drink, but watching your drinks so that someone doesn't slip something else into it. We were saying earlier, this has been a concern going back decades, going back to my 20s for sure, that if I left my drink unattended, someone might roofie it, you know, drop in some Rehypnol, which has often been dubbed the date rape drug. It's been banned since the 90s, but it or other illicit drugs are still being used to lower someone's ability to resist a sexual assault. And that, sadly, is not new. But numbers obtained by CGOB through Shared Health show that compared to five years ago, drink tampering, it appears to be on the rise. So back in 2018-19, the Sex Assault and Intimate Partner Violence Program saw 75 cases of suspected drug facilitation. Those numbers tapered off in pandemic years, so 50 to 55 cases, you know, in 2020, 2021. But they rose to 80 last year. And in the first six months of this fiscal year, that's how Shared Health documents them. So that's from April to September. Another 45 cases have been reported, Greg. And maybe it's important here to note, not maybe, it is important to note, these are just the people reporting to the sex assault program. They don't include people who believe they were drugged but were able to make it home safely or able to avoid an assault 
in the first place. Ashley Stewart is the coordinator of the Sexual Assault Crisis Response and Healing Program at Clinic. Ashley, thank you for taking some time with us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, when you hear those numbers, does it match up with what you're seeing at clinic? And does it you know, match up with what you're hearing from those you're, you're trying to help? It does. You know, I think uh, across providers, we definitely have noticed a little bit of an increase. And I think it's important to note as well, you know, I think the general public sees drug-facilitated sexual assault and has a perception of just what you spoke about a few moments ago, where, you know, we get worried about somebody dropping something into the drink and and historically roofies. But um, what we do know is drug and alcohol-facilitated sexual assault is really just using those two substances to compromise someone's ability to consent to sexual activity and make it easier to assault someone. So when we look at, you know, what we what we see um, in, in folks coming to see us and even on the research side, we don't see stuff like roofies or retinol used really uh, much at all anymore. And instead, what we see is um, more over-the-counter substances being used, sometimes that's cannabis. Uh, it's not over the counter, but we will see. Sometimes there will be ones like, you know, cough medicine, stuff that people can get over the counter, but even other drugs that people might commonly take even consensually, like cannabis, cocaine, things like that. You know, we were referencing that this was a concern going back to art, you know, when I was, was when I was younger and you'd get a friend to maybe watch your drink or you'd go in groups and you had to do all these things to protect yourself and really all the onus should be back on the person who's doing it. And when we look at these numbers, Ashley, I'm it's fair to say they'd be higher, correct? Because so many people don't come forward to even report an assault, unfortunately. Yes, correct. When we see some of the the data or the numbers that come forward, that's only the people that that report. What would you like people listening today to hear when we have these types of conversations, you know, um, working so hard as we are to try to keep everyone safe, and yet you hear this and you think, what's going on with the world? What should we consider in, in all of this, Ashley? Absolutely. I think just the awareness that even folks who might be using drugs and alcohol consensually, that can happen to them. So it's not just somebody slipping something into your drink, but it's the more common things that are used that we don't think about. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, I I get, you know, a bit cautious on um, giving advice for survivors on how to not have that happen, because that shouldn't be a survivor's job. It should be a perpetrator's job on not to sexually assault someone. Um, You know, maybe just, you know, you know, having an awareness of, of yeah, you know, friends you're with and, um, you know, having a bit of that buddy system, keeping an eye on each other. If someone, you know, you're worried about how they might get home safely, um, maybe not, you know, having them get home by themselves, but making sure, you know, you can kind of uh, be accountable and, you know, help your friends out and try to keep each other safe, even though that shouldn't be that person's job. What about symptoms? Like, let's say, let's say somebody gets drugged. Are there sort of common symptoms they might be able to, you know, depending on whether it's the person recognizing something's happening to me or maybe someone in that group recognizes something appears to be happening to this person? Absolutely. So when someone is giving something that they didn't consensually take, the common things you see or hear are people saying, you know what, I had a couple drinks and I suddenly felt really intoxicated and that's not normal for me. Or I blacked out, I have no memory. Or after like there was two drinks, I took one sip, you couldn't walk. Uh, other things can be people waking up with no memory, a severe headache, or even describing, um, you know, I felt some awareness and I could see what was happening, but I couldn't move. I almost felt like I was paralyzed. Um, so I think any time that someone just doesn't recall what happened, might wake up, you know, their clothing is in disarray or off and they're concerned something happened, it's a really good idea um, to seek some help. Ashley, um, this is a personal experience and this, so that's all I'm going to say. So I'm asking this, this question from a, a, a personal experience, um, the guilt that comes along with putting yourself in that situation potentially um, seems to be a barrier in terms of individuals coming forward than when, when their life has been put in danger like this. How, how common is that? that resistance, that hesitancy to come forward? And, and and why do you think that is? Oh, that is so common. Um, I've seen that a ton. And 
Um, I think it's because of that self-blame that people have. And I think the clear message there is not that person's fault. Um, People should be able to be where they want, doing what they want, and not have the risk of someone sexually assaulting them. And so um, my clear message would be that that's not that that survivor's, that person's fault. Um, And I know that's easier said than done, but um, that they're not alone and it is not their fault and uh, there's, there's help out there to help that person get on their healing journey. Ashley Stewart, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Ashley Stewart is the coordinator of the Sexual Assault Crisis Response and Healing Program at Clinic. And if you'd like to weigh in on this, 204-780-6868. We have about 90 seconds here, but we want to share this message from one of our listeners who we will keep nameless at this point, uh, weighing in on our previous topic of drink tampering. They say one of the most terrifying nights of their life was when this happened to their daughter. They were on a visit out west. I was here, she was there. Something was put in the daughter's drink and her friend's drink. She literally was left taking a step, as your guest said, and not being able to walk. Thank God they had one friend not drinking. She got them into a cab. They thought it was maybe fentanyl. My daughter was terrified, even once back to the hotel, because her best friend's sister died in her sleep from fentanyl. So I sat on the phone with her a thousand miles apart, talking to her so she could stay awake and then also keep checking on the friend who was out. A terrifying night, but had they not had the one non-drinking friend, it could have been so much worse, says this mom. And, And Greg, we were just talking off air about now, because gratefully we have more DDs in our life, I think they often become the house parent. The house. That's mom. right. Uh, they're they're overseeing their friends and making sure that things are not going sideways. And and uh, thank goodness for that. I, it, it, no words to describe how disgusting it is that that individuals have to be that way when they're out on an evening trying to enjoy themselves. Uh, but uh, it's imperative that you're aware that this is a possibility. So uh, share your stories with us, 780-6868. After Global News at 7.30, we'll put on our couch potatoes hats and tell you what's new at the movies, and we'll continue to discuss Halloween viewing traditions. Lockport Bridge is now open, according to another listener. Oh. So there you go. Roller coaster. Hey, it's up to the second, up to the minute. You're part of this. You're our radio family. We can't do what we do any day without you. 204-780-6868. So thank you very much. We appreciate you keeping us on top of it. Thus league, keeping your friends and neighbors on top of what's going on on the highways as well. Yeah, we can see pretty far up here on the 30th floor, <laughs> Not there. but we can't see all. Yeah. Lockport Bridge is just out of the scope. <laughs> so the road po- report started early this morning. Drivers wondering where the plows were on Highway 9. What was going on on 59? Why? 511 listed Highway 75 is bare when it was completely snow-covered, still snow-covered. So there might be some of you saying, come on, folks, it's the first big snowfalls of the season. It's too early to start complaining. But even people within the highways department texted me this week to say they just don't have the staff. Get ready. They don't have the staff or an experienced enough staff to do the job. And so this winter could be rough. Last year, the perimeter closed, it was a record amount, I think a dozen times at least, Greg, and it was around this time last year that the last infrastructure minister, so that would be who was under the Conservative government, said they were working to do better, working to add more staff, to provide better, more 24-hour updates to 511. But in a statement from the Highways Department yesterday, it's clear there are some challenges. There is a 26% vacancy rate for maintenance staff right now. So getting to that 24-hour clearance, I don't know how that happens at that rate. And like last year, they're now looking to hire retirees and other to help deliver these services, Greg. Typically, we'd say from the frying pan into the fire, but uh, snow and ice, I'm not sure what the analogy is there. Lisa Naylor is the Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure. Uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us. We appreciate this. And um uh, nothing like a you know a snow event. What is it? Four days into your tenure here? <laughs> yes, indeed. Good morning. I'm very happy to be here, and you know I'm happy to have this portfolio. I know it is such a critical area of government to ensure that families can move around the province and that our EMS personnel can do, be able to do their jobs. So. 
fixing the issues that have been left for us by the previous government is is a significant priority for me. So, you know, staffing has been an issue for highways for several seasons now. Uh, what can you tell us about your your, your ability to, to change that? We've heard about shortages. Is that number, at, you know, that 26% vacancy rate, is that something you can manage? And we've also heard over the years concern about maybe some equipment that many would assume we own maybe isn't in-house anymore either. What can you tell us? Um, well, I can tell you that we are, you know, as we were both referencing, the previous government really did starve our public services and froze wages. They contracted out a lot of highway maintenance. And we all know in Manitoba that clearing has suffered as a result. So we're working on staffing up. We want to, you know, we want our government to be an employer of choice for Manitobans. And we're really looking at, you know, we, we have been, as you've seen, we have been hiring we're in that process. We are inviting retired um, snow plow operators to return. Um, and at this point, to answer your other question, we have about 340 vehicles for snow clearing operations. But the, the years of austerity have really affected the number of employees actually maintaining our equipment. So we're working on building up that workforce so that our services can be maintained on a safe level for Manitobans. There's the equipment, there's the staffing issues, and then there's our expectations. And, you know, I, I want to ask the question, like, we're a snow province. I had said earlier this morning, is it unreasonable of me to think that we shouldn't just be doing a little bit better, but a lot better, given how long we have to deal with this every single year, Minister? I agree with you. And uh, we are committed to a 24-hour service. That's our intention. But we're, we need to start with building back the public services to make good on that commitment. So that's our goal. We are investigating the opportunities to enhance safety on our highways. Um, and, you know, at this point, our crews are out by 4 a.m. in the morning when most many of us, maybe not you morning uh, show folks, but a lot of people are still sound asleep in their warm beds at that point. And our, our workers are out on the road in the worst conditions. Um, so I want to thank them for that. And, and to say that, you know, this new government, we, we want the public service across every sector to know that help is coming, that we are here to um, try to, to make the difference and replace and repair the services that Manitobans count on. Um, and starting right here with, you know, my job is to ensure that that happens for safe driving conditions. What about how much you will be paying the workers? Will you be looking to pay more to ensure that they want to stay in the public sector as opposed to trying to go make more money in the private sector? As you mentioned, I've been in this role for just a few days. And uh, what, I, you know, what I'm hearing across the board is there's a lot of challenges staffing up the public sector when in many, many departments, um, the salaries are lower than the private sector or you know, even other areas um, of government out, outside of our direct government services. And so I think that's something we need to review, but I can't make any commitments to that this morning. Would you be willing to commit to a timeline? Like, I appreciate you're only a few days on the job. It's not fair to point a finger at you or your government, but your department has been struggling with these issues for years. So if we get to, say, February, March, and I'm coming in at 4.30 a.m. and I still haven't seen a plow, is it fair then to say, okay, what gives? What's an appropriate timeline for you? You know, I, th I think that I, I'm going to say I'm not sure it's fair <laughs> since you asked that for me to give you a timeline today. But I think that that's a good question to come back with when I've been in the role longer than a week. Um, but but I, I do want you to know that although I've been in this role a very short time, that this conversation happened on the very first day. Um, and so it's, it's a work in progress. Um, we're actively hiring and recruiting and working to improve the system. You know, keeping... Keeping Manitobans safe is an absolute priority for government and keeping our roads safe. You know, you know, our commitment to the health care system, keeping our highways safe uh, puts less strain on our health care system. Right. And it can it keeps people well and um, and prevents injury. And so I also want to remind motorists and, and I know you've referred to some slower speeds this morning. It's really important that folks adjust their speed, drive to the conditions and stay current with Manitoba 511 as well. Lisa Naylor, Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it this morning. In the meantime, it is safe to say that during our summer festival season, one of the hottest tickets is Dauphin's Country Fest. And even though we're 
just getting our first dose of winter. It's never too early to start getting excited for next summer, specifically June 28th to June 30th. I think there are people that plan their entire summer vacation plans around this time of year and this event. We've been hearing the ads this morning. Today is lineup reveal day for Country Fest. Cameron Winters, president of Dolphins Country Fest, joins us now. Cameron, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Well, we're doing well, you know, hanging in there with the snow. Snow, probably the last thing on your mind as you're, as you're launching today and sharing today's lineup. And, and so give us some of the highlights. Who's coming to Dauphin next year? Oh, well, I mean, it wouldn't be Dauphin's Country Fest without some Michelle Wright, Jason McCoy, and Doc Walker. So we have managed to secure the Great Canadian Road Trip and bring them down to Country Fest um, this summer. We've also got the queens of the 90s country featuring Patricia Conroy, Lisa Brokaw, and Beverly Mahood. We have the front men, which is, again, these packages are really cool because it's one house band, one long show, and all of these really, really great artists doing all of their hits. So the front men include Larry Stewart of Restless Heart, Richie McDonald of Lone Star, and Tim Rushlow of Little Texas. So you're going to hear all three of those bands. It's going to be great. We've also managed to secure Diamond Rio, Mark Chestnut, Jody Messina, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and of course, bringing it back for our 35th anniversary, we're bringing back Country Fest Staple, and Alabama is coming to our 35th anniversary festival this summer, and we cannot wait. Alabama, Nitty Gritty, Jody Messina, you're you're playing the hits of my country driving, my gravel road driving of the 90s. Sure. And so you talk about this being a bit of a throwback year for Dauphin Country Fest. Some, some intent here to, to bring back some of the greatest hits. Yes, for sure intent there. I mean, the whole idea of the 35th anniversary was, you know, we're sitting in the boardroom, we're looking at all our posters from the entire past year's lineup. lineup and like the 35th is a tribute to our roots and our roots is a festival and how we began and bringing people back home and, you know, realizing that we're nonprofit, we're still just that festival on the outside of Riding Mountain that gives back to the Parkland area. And, you know, we're still very much alive and we just definitely want people to come back here and realize just how great the festival was and feel comfortable bringing their kids, their parents, their grandparents, and whoever wants to come and have their big reunion at our festival this summer. How was attendance for the 2023 festival? It was good. I mean, we saw probably about 8,000 people. So it definitely was, you know, the post-pandemic festival industry is very different than the pre-pandemic festival industry. I mean, um, things have gotten much more expensive for us. Um, The people are much harder to convince to come out because, I mean, you had two years of being able to just be at your house or be camping, you know, and festivals are kind of overwhelming so we're we're hoping that you know this year we see a lot of people back that maybe haven't been in a while and yeah hopefully it'll all work out and it'll be great it was a tough year for Dauphin as a community how important is this festival in its 35 year you know run here how how important is it to the community and how involved does the community get Cameron you know, like the the only really good analogy that I could use for this festival is like we are the Manitoba version of Sturgis. Like our whole community, basically, either if they're not attending the festival and buying a ticket and they're a patron, they're a volunteer or they're a business owner and they're providing services for all the tourism and out-of-towners that come into our festival and come into our city um, every summer. I mean, our whole community is really really involved. It's a a whole buy-in for our whole parkland area. The festival is very important for our economic um, tourism industry here in the parkland. I mean, we have built a movie theater, we have built skate parks, we have built splash parks. You know, all of the money that comes into our festival goes back into our community. And we are one of the last large nonprofit festivals left in Canada. It's very hard to, you know, keep something running that's stable in this industry. I mean, we've seen artists go from pretty much 300% increase in price. And we're just, you know, it's, it's one of those things, though, that everybody's holding on so tight to this festival because it's ours and it's Manitoba's festival. And, you know, all the money stays here, which is something that's um, very, very good for us. 
Yeah, you want to keep it going for so many reasons, at least not just the entertainment, but for the people who live there, for the people in that community. And so, you know, when you look back on uh, emerging out of the pandemic and look ahead to a year, we know inflation times are still tough for so many people. What's the appeal or sell for folks who might be saying, I don't know if I can I can afford certain things or afford certain things in my entertainment life. What kind of packages you're offering and try, and how are you trying to address that? For sure. So, I mean, if you're a member of Country Fest this year, tickets are cheaper. They're $199. When tickets go on sale, they're going to be at early bird price again. So our tickets have not um, went up at all, even due to even with the inflation and the artists going up. Our tickets have not increased, so they're still the $249. And really, if, if somebody really couldn't afford a ticket, we also will have day passes available later on in the spring. And if you can't afford a ticket to come, Definitely volunteer. Volunteer and you still get to be a part of the festival. You can still come and camp and you can volunteer and help us out. And you can see all of these artists still. So it's a really, really good program. Um, I encourage any, even out-of-towners, what we can do is if you have travel clubs, if you have organizations and you're looking for a big fundraising opportunity and you don't you don't want to sell chocolate bars and you don't want to sell door-to-door, this is a really good opportunity. You can bring your group. We offer volunteer group camping and we pay out money to your volunteer group or your charity or your cause for coming out. Our guest is Cameron Winters, president of Dauphin's Country Fest, as the lineup has been revealed. Tickets go on sale November 13th at 10 a.m. There's also a layaway plan where you can reserve tickets for only $100. Is there, you mentioned uh, the benefits of being a a Country Fest member. Is there a pre-sale on right now for members? Yes, there is a pre-sale on right now. So members had um, their pre-sale ran from October 23rd all until November 3rd. So they can get their tickets. They can lock in all their reserved seating in the amphitheater before tickets go on sale to the public. And when is the uh, the plan? Like the, this year's Country Fest it was just four months ago. When did the planning process begin for 2024? Um, it usually happens before the festival actually ends the planning process um our board just because of the industry and the the hardships that country fest has went through our board went through a lot of planning this summer so a lot of the real planning went in the summer in august when everybody wants to take it off we you know our board had to come together and we had to really buckle down and make sure that we were getting in offers to artists and trying to lock down um the you know the the vibes we were going for for this year and that throwback countryfest.ca is the website. Cameron, thank you so much for joining us. Exciting times to think about summer. Uh, and I actually appreciate the, the, being able to think about yes. summer because as I look out the window right now, I'm sort of gr- very grumbly this morning. So <laughs> Good timing, actually. <laughs> I know. We picked some good timing, yeah. All right. Cameron Winter is president of Dauphin's Country Fest. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And a heads up for next week. It will be the return of the CJOB Country Fest code word. Lorenz pumping her uh, fists in the air. You got to crank this. You know why? Tell yeah. me. During a bad breakup in my 20s, this song got played a lot. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Jody Messina, Bye Bye Love, I'll Catch You Later. Got a lead foot down on my accelerator and the rear view mirror <laughs> tore off because I ain't never looking back. And that's a fact. <laughs> Woo! Lorraine McNabb performing Saturday and Sunday of Country Fest. I'm not sure you'll be allowed on a stage, but I'm sure you'll be performing somewhere. So starting on Monday, October 30th until Friday, November 10th, you can listen for the code word of the day every morning on the start at 7.20. Then head to cjob.com to punch in that code word. On Monday, November 13th, we will announce the winner of a pair of three-day general admission weekend passes for Dauphin's Country Fest. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we can add one more M into the mix. Greg Mackling, who is in studio with us? She is the sunshine on your cloudy day. She is the voice, the face, the personality, the anchor of Global News Morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND, Winnipeg.
Good Gabrielle morning. Mosha. Good morning. Sorry, Hi, Gabs. I stubbed my knee bone just now. That's why I'm making that weird in pain look. Oh, it hurts so much. I just slapped my hand on the table because I was pumped up about Jody Messina coming to Country Fest yeah. about 25 minutes ago, and my hand is aching. Oh, no. <laughs> Did it's you like break I, it? No, but it's like I was a bit too emphatic with my <laughs> excitement over that. Sounds like a legit workplace injury to me. I think I got time off. I'll see you guys next Friday. Long Workers come. You don't, come. you don't need that right hand to talk. <laughs> I need to write. Yeah. And type. <laughs> and drink my coffee. Fine. And drink your wine. Hey, well, there you go. So, Gabrielle Marchand. Well, as we always like to do, we like to sort of review some of the lighter topics we've discussed this week. And one of them was something Greg found. What would, what would Recap that Toronto situation, Greg. Well, we all know that rent is expensive. There's a housing shortage. And so, you know, you can rent a closet, a spare room in somebody's apartment, house, condo, basement suite. $900 a month, Lakeview, to share a queen-size bed. Ew. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> with, with a stranger. What? And why would the stranger want to rent their bed out? Money. Desperate Money. times. Call for I like the smells of strangers. Measures. I would suggest a, a cot at least. You know, bring your own air no mattress cot. kind There's of. No cot. It's no a room shared for a bed. Cot. It's, that's, that's the arrangement. I, I so just, Who's going to rent that? Oh. I don't know. They're trying oh. it out. Anyway, awkward sleeping arrangements. Uh, any of those in your history? So I'm a long time sleep talker. I'm also sometimes sort of violent in my sleep, but mainly a sleep <laughs> talker, like full on conversations with myself, with somebody who tries to wake me up, all the things. And at camp, it made me really unpopular. And as a kid, at one point, my sister was my camp counselor. And I think we were having like a sleepover party or something. Basically, we were sleeping in the same room. And the other campers swear that my sister and I were sleeping and having a full-on sleep conversation (laughs) with each other. We're just laying there and then, and then I've also had really awkward things happen. Like where if I'm laying with sleeping with my sister, even we used to have sleepovers as kids and I do weird things. Like she said one time she woke up and I was running my hand up her back, like slowly, <laughs> really creepily. She asked me what was happening. And I looked at her and said, I dropped my makeup bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is creepy. Weird. <laughs> just really weird. Is it in your dreams that are like, are you dr- talking out loud about what you dreamed? Do you remember the next day? Or I, I think so. And then sometimes somebody will try to wake me up. Like, I, you know, and it's like they try to wake me up, and but I'm kind of still in it. Do you know what I mean? Where sure. you're still half asleep and you're kind of trying to convince them that, oh, no, I wasn't sleep talking. And you're trying to convince yourself and you just act a fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole sleep talking thing that can, that can get you in trouble. No, oh, for sure. Don't you be uttering the wrong name in your sleep. It's not great. Have you ever done that? think so. I mean, I've definitely had dreams where I've woken up and been like, I hope I didn't say anything, you know? But- <laughs> <laughs> Why was I thinking about that person? Oh boy, that was weird. <laughs> that was a weird one. <laughs> Who is Keely Jones? It was oh. one I got the other night. Oh boy. What? Post head laughing. Who is Keely Jones? She is a queen. I want to have a dream yeah. about her. Yeah. That's great hair. What did you say? Did you say Keely Jones's name? Uh, apparently. <laughs> You were having a dream about Keely Jones. Oh, oh, so funny you would use the full name. Like in whatever context, you're having like say a makeout with an actor from Ted Lasso and you're like, hello, Keely Jones. I guess we're going to have to watch Ted Lasso now. So how did that... It's fine. It went over okay? It's it's all good. Even after perhaps uh, the the Keely Jones was Googled? Like, hang on. Why are you dreaming about this? I see what's going on. He's having an awkward situation sleeping on the couch, maybe. (laughs) Uh, We also talked about Bobby, the world's oldest dog, who died at 31 years old, 163 days uh, this week in Portugal. So we, the, the discussion was times our pets defied the odds, whether it's a long life or just beating a health issue that seemed unbeatable or just like a situation where you look at your animal and you're like, how the heck did you get up there or in there? What did you do here? So what you got for us? We grew up with two huskies. They were amazing, wonderful animals, but they were absolutely savage to other creatures and you couldn't have anything animal related. Like down was a no-no. We didn't have down blankets or down pillows because they'd want to tear into them because they liked that smell. I had a down vest and it was, this was, I think it was about eight or nine, loved it. Hot pink, remember it well. And it was like locked away in a closet with doors that closed (laughs) way up high because of the dogs. And we left them alone for two hours. I still, I do not understand how this happened. 
came home, doors were open, the down vest was ripped to shreds with feathers spread all over my bedroom. I was very sad, but also like kind of impressed. Like you two huskies, did you become human beings? They like mount, they like lifted each other up, Keith. If I just get on my back, <laughs> get on my back, reach, just you've reach, seen, extend your paw. Yes, you've seen the videos where the dogs work together yes, yes. to I get the these one. things. When I, one cat helped the other over. I'm really into animal videos lately, just to distract the mind. One cat tried to boost the other cat up over the fence. I think I know, really, I, think yeah. I know the one what? you're talking yeah. about. That's it, so they cats. failed. Like they were too fat. We, both of them were just too fat and floppy, but they couldn't do it. <laughs> there was like a concerted. The point is they thought it out. They thought it out. There was a talk. This I is why cats are going to take over the world. Like, listen to that. I'm worried. I still remember 20 plus years ago, I was dating this girl and she had two cats whose names were Nightmare and Chaos. Yeah. And she had a two bedroom apartment and the second bedroom was basically like the cat's room. So we had gone out for the night. The cats were in their room. In and we came room. home and they had gotten out of the room. So they figured out, A, how to open the door. <gasps> uh, B, they were on top. We found them on top of the fridge. They had gotten into the cupboard above the fridge where the cat treats were. And they were just scarfing down on on a bag of temptations. <laughs> Can a cat jump that height just from the ground to the counter, typically? Yeah. Oh, to oh, the counter. No to the top of the fridge. Potentially to the top of the fridge. But yeah, they probably climbed up there. They're evil amazing. genius. They See? really, they really, evil they were, at, they, and they, their names were apropos. They were a nightmare Not and cleaning. chaos. So. <laughs> well, who texted the other day about their cat that liked to be in the fridge? And That's if you right. didn't close the fridge, like, yeah. it was like you'd open the fridge and the cat no. would be sitting there. And, and now then, you and annoyed, like, like, could you close the privacy, door? Privacy, please. <laughs> <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand is the host and anchor of Global News Morning, weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. Delightful. Happy Friday. A bit later this afternoon on Jim's show, something big regarding the Jets, Greg. Yeah, well, as as you know, as well as the Jets are playing, they're you know three game winning streak and their on ice performance is uh, maybe taking some some folks by surprise. One of the top stories this season, not only in Winnipeg but around the league, has been the attendance here at Canada Life Center, uh, averaging just uh, you know between eleven and twelve thousand fans. And so Mark Chipman will join Jim Toth from 2 until 2.30 this afternoon to have the discussion about any concerns around that. Do Winnipeg Jets fans have to worry about having a Save the Jets campaign anytime soon? That and much else in the discussion between uh, Jim and uh, Chairman of the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Chipman. So if you had the opportunity to tune in to Global News Morning today, uh, you would have had some fun seeing Clay Young, i.e. the Clay Man, at Comic-Con, because this weekend, Winnipeg Comic-Con takes over the RBC Convention Center. Yeah, on Wednesday, a lineup change was announced as Sean Astin had to cancel his appearance. In his place, an extremely exciting guest who had the three of us excited, quite frankly, legendary actor Carl Weathers will be at the event Saturday and Sunday. Not a bad backup plan at all, Brett. Apollo Creed will be in the house. The master of disaster, the king of sting, the dancing destroyer, the count of Monte Fisto, Apollo Creed. So that's exciting. Uh, also in the house, beginning today, the prodigal son has returned after seven years of making countless appearances, friends, and memories all across Canada. Kid Remington is back in his home hometown to make sure he stays here. They are locking him up before he heads to the Gotham Jail for the weekend. Kid Remington joins us 30 floors above Portage and Maine. Kid Remington, hello there. Welcome back. Why, hello, you guys. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, so, uh, hey, how exciting is it to, to be a part of this stacked Winnipeg Comic Con lineup? Uh, good. It, it, it's, well, better than good. Good is such a mediocre term, right? Like, <laughs> Boy, did I blow that. Can we do this again? No. How good is it to be uh, part of this lineup? Let's just try again. Take oh two. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, just a quick disclaimer for everyone out there where I see it this on social media all the time. At all the conventions, they throw literally 10 guests on the wall and four will cancel. And and all, all these keyboard guys are like, oh, they never had them. They were never coming. Newsflash, these people work in an industry where when they get a job, it's like a fish on the sure. line. They bite the hook and they go for it. Yes. I'm sorry they're not going to meet you to, to sign your car, car or whatever, you know, your boxing gloves or whatever. But the cons do the best they can to get people. And I think 
I think across the board, we need to lighten up on them a little bit. And, and, and there's still tons of stuff for you to do there besides just the guests, right? Go through that then with us for a bit, oh. because I think there's the headliners. It's like a concert. Yes. But on the other hand, it's not at all like a concert because you're milling, you're out and about. You might never even care if you meet the people that are being brought in. You're right. That's a great way to put it and a great question, right? Like, um, or, or statement where, yeah, there's the guests there. There's, you could have cars, you could have uh, implements of destruction mm-hmm. from various movies or TV shows. You could have pro wrestling at the event. You could have... Um, I know there is a really rabid uh, base of cosplayers that are just addicted to creating new costumes, churning out new product, uh, and making it basically actual, legit, incredible costumes. And they they are wrapped up in the cosplay contest, Mm -hmm. and that's all they know. They don't even know of anything else going on at the convention, really. They're just wrapped up in the in in that. Or being together, um, too. Like you're, um, there's, a, there's an yes. idea of being wrapped up of being yep. like, like-minded togetherness. Yep, and that's another thing altogether, right, where you've got uh, where, where I am, like the community area, the Star Wars groups, the Ghostbusters, the LARPers, uh, myself. LARPer? Sorry, yep. I don't know that uh, one. Live-action role-play okay. is what it's called, and basically... Uh, you're going to, it's something they have at the con where you're going to go there and they've basically built their little world. They've got a tavern and they've got stuff like that uh, where you go in there and they're, they're characters all the time. And, is there beer and in this tavern? Sorry, you have a tavern. There may or may not be. If you could find a, a um, kind of a magic man, he okay. could make you, you know, if he was true to his character, He'd he would make that happen for, yes, yes, it, it, that could happen, right? So there is, there is everything. I mean, you got uh, artists, Artist Alley where you've got the local kid in their basement trying to do knitting or crochet or that kind of stuff. And then you have, um, man, my touring buddies, the guys like Bok Choi or, or Johnny uh, Artie and, and, and um, Greg and th- that are at every convention. And you feel literally like a touring band. It's like you're seeing them and, um, you know, how's it going this time? And you talk about your Airbnb or, or travel or setup <laughs> or whatever and, um, all that kind of stuff. It's really, there's all kinds of kinds, obviously shopping. And, uh, I, I don't know if you can see the shirt here. I'm only here for the lemonade <laughs> top secret, man. There's the lemonades that you can get. And those are like currency on a convention floor for trading favors. So word to the wise. Right. And I put on like a lot of my posts, all, you know, rules of lemonade still apply. And I've had times where lemonades are just lined up on my table and uh, you're just trying to, because people are, you know, appreciate what you're doing or whatever. Like literal lemonade. Yes. <laughs> it's like yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you never get oh. out of, uh, out of your, your booth, right? It's like you're busy meeting people and um, just quickly like, yeah, uh, there's guests where you go to meet the guest. Uh, and I think our trick in the community is you treat the con goer like they're the guest and you never know what people are going through in their days that they get down to the con, they can blow off some steam. You want to treat them with respect, be happy to see them and don't just, it's not just some cheap grab for ego or mm-hmm. cash or anything like that. I, I like, I mean, you could talk about the weather or the jets or the bombers to anybody, but I'd, I'd rather, I love having deep discussions with people dressed as the Joker, them telling me about their life and things like that. So. So you're leading us into Kid Remington on Instagram and on the social medias. You cosplay as Joker. Yes. And you may be the best Joker I've ever seen. And that may include the movie. So just talk about your transformation from who you are day to day and who you'll be over the weekend, what inspired you, and and just try and you know, paint a radio picture for our listeners out there oh who uh, maybe have never seen you before. Uh, and everyone's, everyone that knows me that's listening to this is having a big laugh right now. Cause like, oh boy, here we go. It's going <laughs> to be dark before he's done talking. And no, uh, seriously, if, if I go back to my parents and what they let me see as a kid, if it was wrestling, if it was comic books, if it was, you know, even going to church, the things I learned from, from that, like all these different inputs come in, but helping people was a, a huge one. Right, which then got me down the road to um, theater and drama and music and things like that. And lo and behold, eventually Comic Con came along, where it was I was always afraid to go because people are going to laugh at you. Like I don't want to be a Trekkie. I don't want to be you know like I'll dress up on Halloween because there's candy in it. But any other time, forget it, man. But then when you start really peeling that back, 
And I think about all the Jets games I go to where people are wearing a Con- Connor Hellebuck jersey, right? And it's like, you're not called Connor Hellebuck. You you know, you could not stop a beach ball, man. Like, you know, like, forget it, man. I could size you up in a second. And like, just things like that, right? Or the NASCAR drivers. Uh, you see guys walking around their NASCAR jackets in the mall and they're like, I bet you he thinks I'm Dale Earnhardt, man. I just, I just know it, man. And they're looking over their shoulder at you. And it's really being the Joker or Batman is no different, sure. right? Uh, obviously, there is some stigma to that. Like, um, I, you know, going to a movie theater, going walking around the mall as the Joker. I would not recommend that. Like, and I actually have to tell that to a lot of the, the young Joker cosplayers are excited. They want to be this crazy character. Ah, I'm so zany. I'm so, you know what? You really want to be crazy? Go on, go in a snowstorm to a radio station at nine thirty in the morning, <laughs> and bring them cookies. Like, like try just see if you're crazy enough to get there on time, right? Like, so <laughs> that's how you really do it. You kill them with kindness, right? And and you trying to do good things for people. Leave things better than you found them, right? Like that's getting back to my parents, right? Like just help people, and 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 that's where it goes. Now I do it in a strange costume, right? So again, my theater and my my. Um, um, character work or things like that. That's, that's all great. Um, the other aspect, uh, of man, it, it uh, there's just so much, right? Like, um, I, I think about mental health and how Heath Ledger left this earth. And, and I think about my close family members that have died by suicide or, uh, how depression has crippled them. Um, things like that, anxiety, uh, all those things. And, you know, I put on that purple coat and that feels like a, expectations to me, like expectations that I want to meet every day and I want to fill. Um, I've got this, a, a friend of mine gave me this nickname, the green knight. And there was this back in, in literature, there's a story about the green knight and he was basically the tester of knights. So they're like, man, every Batman at a convention, you really make them be their best. You really bring bring them out of them, and it's not the cheap stuff. It's just like you want to make great art. You want to do. You want to. You want to really make them appreciate that they decided to put on the cowl and the cape. So they're in essence feeling the same way that maybe Bruce Wayne did. He there. Why? Why does he put that on? Right. Like. Um, so things like that, and it's it's David Bowie is really dangerous. Chris Jericho is really dangerous. These guys that just transcend different art forms and could do everything that they wanted, and it's like. David Bowie has this quote, and I tell people this all the time, where it's his ability to make art was him getting in a really expensive, nice-looking car and driving it at top speed into a wall and having it explode. And the great part about it is you could get out of the car without being hurt and see what has happened, right? And that's just like, what has happened? So when I play three-on-three hockey uh, for, you know, mascots and DJs kind of against costume characters or whatever, or when I'm in the mayor's office trying to steal the first pair of Jets tickets or um, marrying people or getting $700 of pies thrown on me or wearing five buckets of ice uh, water, you know, those things, it's all for, there's something bigger in mind where it's like, why not? Kid Remington, you can see him at Winnipeg Comic Con this weekend at RBC Convention Center. Kid Remington, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. And I'll just say one final thought, and you don't even have to react to this. I just want to say this on the subject of going to things like the Comic Con, and and you know, you said you were scared that people would laugh at you mm. or whatever. Uh, I had one one of my buddies years ago was poking fun at me because he knows I like superhero stuff, and he yep. said, "Aren't you a little old to be, you know?" following the antics of men in tights. Yeah. And I said, how many bomber games you've been to, to this yeah. year? Yeah. And he's like, good point. 